somebody next to you, I refuse to give up again. Sunday was, was, was absolutely amazing. God dealt with us from prophetic class all the way through to, to, the, to the worship and the word. It was amazing on Sunday. And uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to continue to do. Amen? Amen? All right, Romans 12, uh, verse number 11 and 12. I'm reading from the uh, NIV version. Yours may be a little different, but I'm reading from the NIV. And the word of the Lord reads, never be lacking in zeal. We went through this last week. We, we didn't get past this, but, we, but it, was, it was impactful. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Let me read it again. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Come up, somebody say, I can't give up again. Um, and so we, we, the, the premise of last week's teaching, the foundational part of this, we were just really talking about that you have to be determined to not give up no matter what happens. And so uh, one of the things that I said last week is that Satan is waiting for you to take a break. He wants you to get, he wants you to get complacent. He wants, you to, he wants you to be okay with not praying. He wants you to be okay with not witnessing. He wants you to be okay with just uh, not having a word life. And he's waiting for you to take a break because when you take a break from the things of God, he's going to fight you. Yes. Our job is to stay on the offensive and to make sure that we continue to arm ourselves with the weapons of warfare and that we continue to be those who know how to carry the sword of the spirit. Amen. Amen. And we, we have to do that by continuing to be, the, everybody say, I am determined. I am determined. We gave you a definition last week. We said that determination is the strength that carries you through to the path of success in the midst of obstacles. The strength that carries you through the path of success in the midst of obstacles. And so I gave you a little crump spin on it and I said that, that determination is that thing that just won't let you quit. Determination is that thing that won't let you quit no matter what happens, no matter how bad it gets. Somebody say, I won't quit. And then we said that the word obstacle is a compound word that is derived from two words, two words obstruction and tackle obstruction and tackle every obstruction is a blockage it's a blockage but it's meant to be tackled it's meant to be knocked over and so uh, really determination is the ability to tackle every obstruction and blockage in your life so the question we have to ask is what needs to be tackled in your mindset what needs to be tackled in your financial life what needs to be tackled uh, in your spiritual life what is it that that is holding you up from being who God's called you to be and once you can kind of understand that, you're going to really understand what determination looks like for you. Because determination looks, looks differently from person to person, depending on what the enemy's fighting you with. And one of the things that I found out is this, that based upon who God's called me to be, I'll understand my fights. So based upon who God's called me to be, I'll understand my fights. The fight that that the enemy is, 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 is really sitting towards you has a lot to do with what, who God's called you to be. Y'all cold? Y'all all right? Y'all cool? I'm, I'm always cold. I'm going to wear a big sweater every service. Huh? But I only took a tiny sip. He said, he said you drink an iced coffee. I only took a tiny little sip, but I'm just, just one or two. Yeah, that's, Lord. Like the room feels chilly to me. That's just me. I'm always cold. It could be 80 degrees outside and I'll be cold. All right, so, 
So um, based off of who God's called you to be, that's how you're going to be fought. So if, you, if you're meant to be a worker in the kingdom of God, the enemy's going to fight your strength. If you're a prophet, the enemy's going to fight your thought life. He's going to fight you speaking out. He's going to fight your boldness. He's going to fight you with faith in your faith area. So based upon who God's called, now if you don't know who you're called to be, you won't understand your fight. If you don't understand your fight, then everything looks like it's coming against you to stop you. There's some stuff I don't even, it doesn't even bother me because it really is not my fight. It's a smoke screen to get me to be, to get distracted from being who God's called me to be. But because I know every place that God's called me to be, I realize when something is a fight for me. When I realize it's a, when I realize it's, it's a fight because it's trying to stop my calling, then I know how to deal with it. Other stuff, I don't even, I don't, there, there, there's some things that, that you go through and, and it just, it doesn't even hurt you. It doesn't hit you. It doesn't even phase you when you know you're calling. When you know you're calling, the enemy will, because he's going to throw everything at you, he can. See, let me tell you something about the devil. Although the devil knows a lot, he doesn't know everything. He knows a lot, but he doesn't know everything. So what he does is he throws everything at you to see what will stick. He really, he really, and really that's how, that's how the enemy knows how to fight you. Because he, you know, if food is not your thing, then he'll throw food. You'll be like, I ain't thinking about that. I'll fast 20 days. Right? But, but for somebody else, if, like for me, food is my thing. So if you throw food at me, I'm like the blood, hallelujah, you know, I got to go hard. I, I, got, I have to deny my flesh because that's, that's a part of my personal fight. For somebody else, your mouth is your fight. So the enemy will have everybody saying backwards things and crazy things to you, trying to get under your skin to make, watch this, to get you to, because that's your fight. That's a part of your fight. Your mouth is supposed to be used to witness and to preach the gospel, not cuss everybody out. You understand what I'm saying? So, so because that's, that's, your, that's the strongest point of your walk with God, he's coming to fight you so that, so that the part of your, of your body that is supposed to be used to glorify God will be used to bring glory to Satan. It's a fight. Now, you have to understand your fights. You want to know how you understand your fights? Stop talking for a while and just watch. Just watch and see the things that get under your skin. Because what bothers her might not bother him, might not bother her, might not bother me. But whatever, whatever the thing that bothers me, I have to now investigate that. I got to see why is, this, why is this bothering me? Why is this making me want to go and slap him? Why is, this make, why, is this, why is this the thing that makes me want? You understand what I'm saying? And I can't, it's very hard for me to convey that to somebody who doesn't have a fight. Like I do. Because they'll just say, just get over it. Oh, just get over it. Well, you don't understand. That's the biggest fight of my life because it has to do with my calling. Does that make sense? So, so determination really is understanding the call in your life, understanding the fights that the enemy tries to bring to you, and learning how to knock those things over. And somebody say, I have to stay in victory. All right. You'll understand this if you know um, anything about, like, sports. You, you'll you'll kind of get this because a lot of people... Um, when it comes to determination, a lot of people live their lives in God, and you'll understand this analogy if you've ever watched sports, football or basketball. A lot of people live their lives in God almost like they're, like they're living for a highlight. The person who's going to dunk over three people, the person who's going to knock a few people over. They call it the highlight reel. 
and and a, a lot of a lot of a lot of sports athletes they play for they 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 play and they always trying to get the biggest dunk or the biggest play and they miss the game because what they're trying to do is they're trying to create one moment that the world could see that that they could really get more of if they just played the game all right so so if you if you will just live for god something spectacular will happen if you just learn how to live for God on a daily basis, you're going to see something spectacular. The truth of the matter is that when we act, what we call spectacular, someone like a Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or someone who you've seen do something incredible, it's only incredible to us because we can't do it. I don't care how good I was in basketball, I was not turning around 360 in the air and slamming, dunking, and I could go straight up and dunk, boom, but I can't do no, all of this and throw a leg and backwards and turn over. I can't do that stuff. So it's spectacular to me. But to the, but watch this, to the person who's playing, it's not spectacular. This is a result of habit. What, you, what a natural person calls spectacular is what someone has spent hours practicing. Think about that for a second. When you see someone, when you see a, a ballerina standing on their tippy toes and going all the way across the stage, you're like, whoa, I could never do that. Well, they couldn't either until they kept practicing, had bloody toenails. Come on. What they did was, now you see someone like Olivia drawing, and it looks easy to us because she's done it enough to make it look easy to somebody who doesn't do it. Does that make sense? It's easy for us to watch somebody who can do something very well because it took them years to, to get it. Now, you get, you get there and draw Bugs Bunny. <laughs> one eye looked like he got punched the other eye looked like it's, it's, it needs prayer one, one of his one of the little things is just lopsided it's like whoa you wouldn't even know how to color it you wouldn't even know how to shade and blend but if you watch somebody else do it one day I was sitting in there I was watching Dominic and I came in and he was drawing something and I was like man I could do that I went in the office I could pull out my pencil I start shading I said, oh, man, I, I guess I can't. <laughs> Mine looked like the horrible, the, the worst version in the world of whatever he was doing, like the, the, the guy, the Salt Bay guy. He, I, just, I just tried to do the fingers, and it looked like, like he needed prayer. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? When someone sees you, they ought to see a highlight in action because of how much time you spent honing the gift. It should be very easy for you to pray for someone and see them recover because you spend enough time praying for people. Ooh, we're quiet. So what we do is the enemy, the enemy wants to make us think that what we see is not attainable. Well, I, I could never do that. No, you could. You just ha you have to be determined. The Bible says all things are possible to him or she that believes. Say, if, as long as I believe... It's possible. it's possible. So, um, you know, just write down Philippians 1 and 6. I'm not going to turn there. I just want to talk a little bit about it. Philippians 1 and 6. The Apostle Paul writes in, in Philippians 1 and 6, he writes these words. He says, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. Being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it unto, the, uh, unto completion until the day of Jesus Christ. 
So I want to talk about this for a second because this has a lot to do with determination. Because he says the first thing, the first important part of Philippians 1 and 6 is, and there are several key, key points in here that are going to bless you that have to do with endurance, uh, being determined, and completing, and never giving up. He says the first thing is I'm confident. Determined people are confident people. If you're going to be determined, you can't be determined and not be confident. Right. See, I'm confident, I'm confident in who God's called me to be. <clears throat> So he says, I'm confident. The word confident, it means to have firm trust, to have firm trust and have strong belief. They don't have this back then, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just freestyle a little bit in the Holy Ghost. It, 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 me, it means that it means to have, it means to have firm trust and it means to have strong belief. Say firm trust, firm trust. and strong belief. He says, I am confident. It also means, watch this, to be unwavering in all things unwavering in all things, unwavering in all things. You know, the Bible talks about that a person, a person who, 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 is, who is wavering or a person who, who is double-minded is unstable, unstable in all of their ways. Why? Because they're not confident. And if they're not confident, they're not determined. So he says, I, I'm, Paul says, I am confident. I, I have firm trust in, 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 in what I'm about to say. I have strong belief in, in this whole thing that, about what God is about to do. He says, watch this. Um, what, what are you confident in? First of all, you got to realize this. If you're going to be confident, your trust has to get anchored in this statement. It really means that your trust has to get anchored in this next statement. What is it? That he who has begun a work in me, he's going to carry it through to completion. He say, say this, he started something in me and he's obligated to finishing it. My job is that, why not watch this? My job is to stick with him until he finishes what he started. That, that's, that's, that's all you got to do is just stick with him so he can finish in you what he started in you. He says, watch this, I'm confident that he who's begun a good work is going to complete this and he's going he's gonna to continue to complete it until the day that Jesus returns. So watch this. If God starts something in you, somebody say, he will finish it. Will finish it. Now watch. If God has started a process in you, don't die before he finishes the process. Amen. What do you mean don't die? Don't give up. Don't let go. Right. I'm in the middle of the, of the biggest season of my life. How do you know it? Because he started something in me. Ooh, glory to God. I'm in the middle, I'm in the middle of something, and, and, and this, is, this is how you know when you're in the middle of it, because that's where you want to give up. You all, come on, say something, please say amen. Most people give up, and we're going to talk about why a lot of people quit, but, but most people give up too soon. We give up when we don't see the desired results happen in our time frame. Because we're operating off a different time frame than heaven. Heaven operates in eternity. We operate in time. So what we say is this has been going on for X amount of weeks, X amount of months, X amount of years, and, and there's no way I'm going to keep going through this. We stop a process that God hasn't finished. A lot of us have gotten frustrated because we believe that God should have finished what he and given us by now what he promised us 10 years ago. When the truth is, what, the thing that we don't pray is, 
Lord, what kind of process are you taking me through? When is the last time you prayed and asked God, what do you want from me in this? A lot of times I'll go back and say, God, what did I miss that I haven't done yet? Because he's saying stuff all the time, but we miss stuff because we get frustrated. And when we get frustrated, it's like we erase everything that God told us to do about what he told us to do. And then we get frustrated because we're not seeing right now visible results. And we, we sometimes, and I, and I know we do it, you don't have to say it, man, but I know we do it. We sometimes base our ending result based off of what we right now see. It don't look like I'm, I'm anywhere closer than I, than I am to what God promised me than I was five years ago. And we deem that it's, it's, it's a no-go from here. I'm finished. I'm done. God, take me on to something else. I'm done with this. Ain't it somehow we tell God we finished when he's still going? Honestly, come on, we've all done it. I've been there. I was talking, I don't want to do this no more. I'm, I'm finished. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of people. I'm tired of everything. I'm tired of not having no money. I'm tired of all this. What are you doing? He ain't say nothing to me. Why? Because he said something and I ignored him. Oh, Lord. And so a lot of us have to realize that somebody say, God's still working. He's still moving. And, and, and declare this to yourself. He's not finished yet. If he was finished, then he would have brought you to completion. He would have worked everything out of you and, it, and you would have been ready for what you said that God told you was yours. Somebody say, it's a process. All right, but, but and now that's, that's a, great, a, great, a, a great fact, but the most critical fact of Philippians 1 and 6 is that God doesn't quit. Write it down. God doesn't quit. God does not quit. God is not a quitter. It's impossible for him to be so. So because God's not a quitter and I'm his child, watch this, it's really not in my DNA to quit. It's not in my spiritual DNA, it's not in my spiritual nature to be a quitter. Before I came to God, it was in my nature, my natural carnal nature to quit and start and quit and start. But, but, but now that I'm, I'm, I am a new creature and old things have passed away, it's not in my spiritual makeup to be a quitter. Why? Because somebody said God's not a quitter. So watch, this is a question. Based off of your life of living from God, from the time you told him, Lord, take my life, I believe you're the son of God, Lord Jesus, you died for my sins, and I believe I'm saved. From that time to now, watch this, if you were God, would you have given up on you by now? From the time you said yes, Lord, to right now, if you were God, would you have given up on you? Yes or no? Come on. Okay. So the question is, do you think God's given up on you? So the question, so if that's it, now we got a lot of questions. If that's, if that's really true, then why do you give up so easily? If God can take some of the worst cases and stick with us, Lord Jesus, if God can take some of the most controversial people, come on, some of the most craziest folks before they got saved, if God can take people who had no regard for life, anybody else's possessions, nothing else, and, and, and stick with you from that to here. Now, I know you're still a work in progress. I know you still got a little ways to go, but if he hasn't given up on you, why do you give up on the process that he's walking you through? It just goes to show that a lot of us don't really trust God. Oh, Bishop, come on. 
a lot of us don't really trust God. He hasn't, he said, Lo, I will be with you always. Come on, if he says always, then when does he, when does he ever leave? Lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world, or the end of the age, which is the end of the world. If he's going to stick with you to the end of the world, why do, you, why do you keep stopping and starting on him? Why do you start and stop on processes that he's trying to take you through because he wants to take you to another glory, to another dimension of his presence, to another dimension of favor, to another dimension of blessings. You've been living at the $100 level for years. God wants to take you to the $10,000 level weekly. Come on, y'all say something to me. Y'all quiet. He does. Yeah, he does. He wants to bless your life. He wants to take you up from here. We don't, res- we, we don't see that because it's hard for us to trust the process because all we've ever seen is $50 after, our, after we pay our bills. It's very hard for you, to, for you to see that there's more for you if you've never experienced it. And with the little that we do experience, a lot of us think that the process is over when that's just another stepping stone. This is the most money I've ever had in my life. Well, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good place to God, for God to start you at. Because you hadn't even started yet. This is more than I've ever had. God said, good, this is a glory. Y'all get what I'm saying? This is a glory. But if if you don't don't stay determined, you will die at that level of glory. You'll never see the next level of glory he has for you that I hasn't seen. We get all crazy about that. Ear has heard, oh, glory to God. But we don't ever get into that because we get stuck in places that we've never been before. We get stuck right there and we just, this is the most, I'm balling. You only got $1,000 extra after you pay your bills. You ain't balling yet. How many houses can you buy and bless somebody with? Oh, Lord. How many vehicles can you purchase for somebody else's family? Come on, how many people can you clothe with that $1,000? If we don't think in terms of God has blessed me to bless somebody else, and a lot of us are going to get stuck at a lower level of glory. Yes. So watch, uh, somebody said, God blesses me to be a blessing. It's not in your, hear me, it's not in your DNA to quit. It's not. You're going against your own spiritual nature every time you quit. You're going against it. God committed himself to walking you through from the beginning of a process all the way to the end phase of starting a work in you to the end of the process of completion of that work. God is committed to that in your life. Say, he's committed to me. Now, look at your level of commitment versus his level of commitment, and you'll see how much you got to come up. Like, look at that. Come on, we're going to win this year. If we're going to win this year, you can't win just off of having a good idea. You, you can't win over just having a good life. You're going to have to win because you're going to be, you have to, first of all, you, gotta, you have to be submitted to God. Yes. Now think about this. How many people have ever thought about, hmm, what can I do to make a million dollars? Anybody ever thought about, thought about that? Hmm, what can I do to have a million dollars? It's very hard for you to think about what you can do to make a million dollars because you ain't never had a million dollars. What would I have to do to make a million dollars? What can I tell? What can I do? What can I do to make a million dollars? Now think about this. How long have you thought about making a million dollars and just thought about pleasing God? 
Y'all, I just want to want some of your heads. You can think 85 years about making a million dollars or you can or you can take the gifts and talents he's given you and pour them out into the earth. And through that become a millionaire. Does that make sense? A lot of times we spend so much time on trying to figure out the plan of it. What is it? I got to structure this and structure that, make this up here and do this over here. And we do all of that, and the whole time God has a plan he's trying to get you into because he knows the way. And we miss it because we're, we're trying to structure a plan that seems right to us. Oh, Lord, okay. So um, write this down. I can't be comfortable with letting go. I can't be comfortable with letting go. You shouldn't be comfortable quitting, letting go, walking away from stuff that God commissioned you to because it goes against your spiritual DNA, your spiritual nature. All right, so let's, let's talk a little bit about why people quit. Why people quit. Why do they quit? You ever had someone say, you know what, I'm, this, is gonna be, this is my year. This is my year. You ever heard somebody talk like that? This is going to be the year that I do everything. Uh, this is my year. People have been saying that every year since, you, since you've been alive. Your mama said this was her year. The daddy said the uncle. People at the church you went to when you was a kid said this is my year. Every year. This, 1987, this is our year. 1990, it's our year. When, when, when 2000 hit and, and they thought that the world was going to go dark for 85 days, this is going to be our year. Because even in the dark, God going to bless us. Every year was our year. But we never produced nothing. How many times you said this is going to be the year that I'm going to lose his weight. This is going to be the year. <laughs> I'm getting married this year. I don't care what nobody says. I don't care what nobody says. This is going to be the year. God going to do it. Marriage or nothing. <laughs> this is the year. I'm, 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 I'm going to make my first $100,000 this year. I'm a platform from there to a million. This is gonna be my, I'm going to do it this year. So, what happened? <laughs> honestly, I mean, like, honestly, what happened? Let me tell you why people quit. Number one, people quit because what they set out to accomplish becomes too hard for them. That's, that's like the number one reason why people quit, because what they set out to accomplish becomes too hard for them. Listen to me. Starting is easy. Starting is, is easy. You can start anything. I'm going to write a book. You've been writing a book for 40 years. You the book should have been done. You don't write that slow. You don't type that slow. You can say it now. And, 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 and if you got Siri or what's the other one? In the, what's the other one? Alexa, whoever you got, can type it in for you. You could just, you could just talk and, and write a book. You could find somebody who knows how to type and you can say it and they can type it. And pay them $20 an hour. And talk quick. <laughs> well, it all started out in 1987. I was 10 years old. I was just talk. I mean, get it all out. Only got three hours. Got to get two chapters in today. I got $40 for you. When I was seven years old, I remember I was walking through Central Park, and the next thing that happened, just talk. Go, 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 go. The issue is not that you don't have it in you. Come on, hear me tonight. The issue is not that God hasn't anointed you to write a book. 
And the issue is not that the world don't want to hear your story. Because I don't care what your story is, with over 5 billion people in the world, you're going to connect with at least 100,000. And if you have 100,000 people that buy your book at $10, how much money is that? Somewhere, somebody's going to connect, watch this, to your story, to your pain. Somebody, come on, you don't have to be a superstar, you just got to have a story, and all of us have one. Everybody here can write a book and, and start marketing it. Start telling people about your story. Start typing on your, on your Insta stories and telling people this is some of the things that I've gone through. More details in the book. It only takes, hear me, it only takes one person to read the book and become the biggest cheerleader of what you said you went through. And one person can, can send that one book and send the link to 5,000 more people. Now, out of those 5,000, one person just has to get it and send it to another 5,000. And out of that 5,000, one person has to get it and send it to another 30,000 that they know. And out of them, only one person has to read it and say, I'm interested in, in, in this story right here. This connects with me. You don't know who those people are that God has set in the earth to be the people who become cheerleaders for what God's put inside of you. We never get to see it, and the enemy tells us that the world's against us, nobody loves us, you're by yourself in the world because you never stepped out. So it's easy to start. All of us can start tonight. We can also, you know, we're going to do the biggest loser as a church. We can do that. Give somebody $500 a win. I'm a win, though, but anyway, that's me. We can, we can do all of that, right? We can, we can do all of these things. We can have a thousand gimmicks. But if you are not determined to stick with it, you will never, ever, ever get to the finish. You, you, you got five books you just started and not one of them is past the, the introduction page. A lot of good ideas, but they haven't been completed. So people quit because they set out to accomplish something and in the process of accomplishment, it gets too hard for them. I'm gonna say it again, starting is easy but continuing is difficult. Continuing is, I don't care what nobody says, continuing is hard work. Jesus had disciples with him. He had more than just the 12. He had disciples with him. They were following him, Jerry. They were all around him, walking with him. And then one day he starts talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And they thought this man was talking about cannibalism. They weren't spiritual enough, although they were around him. They, they misunderstood the message. They got offended by what he was saying. They got afraid because he thought he, that, that they would all eat each other. And, and people who were long-standing disciples with him, outside of the 12, walk away from him and leave him. It's easy to start out with something when it's fresh. When it's exciting. This is it. But over time... Watch this. Over time, loyalty is tested to what you said God called you to. God called me to write. God called me to sing. God called me to write words. God called me to write music. God called me to, to encourage. God called me to do this. It's wonderful because you now, because it's a spark. It's the startup. But what happens when God's called you to encourage and no one might want to be encouraged? What do you do? How do you handle the rejection of your calling? 
How do you handle that? How do you handle when God, when you know you're supposed to be worldwide, but you're stuck local? How do you, how do, you do that? You're going to have to look in the mirror and stay determined because obviously your time hasn't come if you've been faithful to it. Because he says, he says this, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. See, the issue is when you think you're greater than, 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 than the time frame that God's called your greatness to. Stay humble and be small until God expands you. Whew. Lord, this is for somebody tonight. A lot of times what happens is we, when you know you have something that nobody else has, it's very easy to get lifted up in pride because everybody who's doing what God's called you to do is like a counterfeit to you. You can, now, tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong. You can, you, you can look at somebody who, who has a business. You're like, they copied it off somebody's page. This is all fake. This ain't right. Because you know it. Because you you're anointed for it. Somebody, you, you, you see somebody join, you be like, they trace that. You, you understand that. You know what that looks like because you know what an authentic drawing is like. Because you've spent time. You're anointed to draw. Neil, you can hear somebody playing and be like, that ain't right. They cut and copy that stuff in the studio. This ain't right. You understand what that's like? Why? Because he, he has an ear. He's played. He's been around musicians. He's been around singers. You know what it's like when somebody takes a short road to get ahead, and here you are waiting, but you got the real thing. You know, let me, let me, let me tell you from experience. You're going to spend a lot of days crying because you're going to feel like your time and season has passed you by time after time after time after time after time again. But it hasn't. It just looks like it because God hasn't released you to the world yet. Yeah. Sometimes what God will do is, oh, I feel the anointing on this. I feel something coming on me. Sometimes what God will do is he will oversaturate an area that he's called you to because he has to get the counterfeits out the way. Lord, I feel like preaching tonight. He has to get the counterfeits out the way so everybody becomes a prophet. Everybody becomes a business owner. Everybody wants to teach. Everybody wants to preach. Everybody wants to wear a collar. God said, don't wear one. Don't tell nobody you're a prophet. Just walk in it. See, see, what is he doing? He's humbling you, but at the same time, he's making room for you. And eventually, everybody's going to get tired of the counterfeits. And then God's going to say, watch the real prophets show up. Oh, Lord. So the fight of the enemy is to keep you in a place, watch this, when you, are, when you have the gift and you have the talent and you have started, but it's taking long to get to the end product. The enemy's job is to make you feel like, what's the use? See, we're talking about determination. This is about you being comfortable with waiting. It's okay to wait. Hear me. There's a lot of stuff that we, that we have wrong with in our own culture. Church culture, our culture. The reason why a lot of people try to tear other people down is because they don't want to wait their turn. I don't have to tear another pastor down. I don't have to tell another prophet. I, don't have, I love everybody. Somebody else prophesying, I'm like, oh, they got it. They got the oil. Oh, they got it. But guess what? When my time comes and I step out on the forefront, there's not going to be an ounce of pride in me because I spend so much time on the backside of the mountain. Come on here. 
David didn't have to come in and tell his brothers, nah, 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 look at where I'm at, look at where you're at, look at what God did. He didn't have to say that because the, on the backside of the mountain, all he was doing was getting delivered. He was spending his time in worship, worshiping God, taking care of sheep, stinky, smelly. Nobody saw the process, but when he came out of there, the oil wouldn't flow for nobody else. The other brothers had the muscle, but he had the anointing. Ah, glory. The other brothers had, they had to look, but God had to step in and say, uh, prophet, don't look at their outward stature. Because man looks at the outward appearance. Oh, but the one that's about to come in here right now, there's something about the heart of this guy. I've been working on him. I've been sanctifying him. He's been worshiping me. And hear me, a lot of the times the enemy wants you to feel like your time on the backside of the mountain is wasted time. When the truth is, that's the time where determination gets stirred up the most. When I get somebody has to understand this, when you get your chance, when God brings your gift to the world, there's going to be something in you that's not going to mess up the season that God gives you. Oh, Lord, I just wish. Oh. I'm, somebody shout, I'm not going to mess up my season. This is how you have perpetual seasons where God will leave you in the forefront. This is how God will leave you in the forefront. You'll always be a leading name in this area. A leading name in the prophetic, a leading name in business, a leading name in drawing, a leading name in whatever it is that God's called you to do. You stay on the forefront if you can stay humble and stay out of sin. Staying pure is, is, really, is really the thing that keeps doors open for you. Oh, Lord. It doesn't mean that you're never going to mess up. But staying pure is about you staying in constant connection with the Father. Yes. Staying connected to him so that you, you don't have the mess-ups of the ones you're seeing now yes. in you, but then in other people. You ever heard of someone doing something really crazy? You'd be like, how? How How did that happen when this person was so anointed? Anybody ever heard that before? Just been like, you, ever, you ever heard that? Or you ever felt like that about like, it's almost like, I can't believe it. I, I can't believe it. No, uh-uh. No, not, not him, not her. They could never do that. You want to know why that, when it comes out and that, that, and that stuff comes out and it's real? You want to know why that is? Because they didn't spend enough time on the backside of the mountain. They didn't spend enough time for God to work on them behind the scenes. So when they get in the front, it's like they, they're, they're, they're juggling, trying to, get their character straight while they're juggling the blessing. And it's super hard to do. You, you, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to be prepared for the blessing. Not, not, just, not just preparing your closet to make room for more clothes, but preparing your life. This is why on Sunday I'm telling you, the gift is good, but you got to work on you. So when God opens a door for you, you never have to run backwards and try to tear down an old door because you need to go work on something else. Does that make sense? Um, all right. So, so people, people quit because they, uh, because they, they set out to accomplish something and, um, and it gets too hard for them. Second reason why people quit is because they don't enjoy the journey. They don't enjoy the journey from start to completion. Somebody say, it's a journey. When you have it in you to move too fast, you don't get an opportunity to enjoy the journey. 
Yes, God promised you something, but are you trying to go from the word of promise to the door of completion overnight? Most people want to go from the, the time God promises, the next step for them, they want it to be the door of completion. And God doesn't operate like that because if he promises you something big, now think about this, to the level of the magnitude of what he's promised you is the level of preparation he has to take you through to get you ready for that level of what he's going to give you. You got a ministry for the world? Then you got a lot of preparation. Because you're not just going in some local city, in some, in some far city that nobody knows up in the hills and the mountains. You understand what I'm saying? If, if, if God was, was giving you, if God was going to give you a platform that they didn't have no internet, and it's up in some hill somewhere that you got to drive five days in some indigenous area to get to, then I can see you going tomorrow. But God, God is pre preparing something in you that the world that's going to be on display for the world. There's a whole other level of responsibility when the world is going to see what you got. Because everybody's going to have a critique of what God called you to do. Everybody's going to feel like they could do it better than you. Everybody's going to feel like, who are you? you where you come from? They're going to know your history. What happens when your history is under the blood and they can't find nothing? Google me. You, what you going to find? Because whatever you find, I don't know that person. Got the same name. Got the same curly, kinky hair. Got the same dark skin. The same teeth. Same height, same build. I don't know him. I don't know him. Somebody, somebody, somebody sent me a picture. Uh, one of my friends in Portland sent me an old picture of over 20 years ago of me on Black Planet. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. Some of y'all even know what Black Planet is. Old school Black Planet. And, and my handle there was New York Sexy Man. <laughs> And my friend sent me this picture. He said, you remember this? Yeah. No, free sent it me. He said, sent it me. I had a picture of like this. I had braids in my hair. <laughs> New York sexy man. And he said, you remember this? I said, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Who in the world is that? Who, what clown is this? I, that's what I said. I said, I don't know who that is. He said, I'm calling you right now. Call me up. Yo, you don't remember this picture you took in my house? Bruh, no. He was like, you remember, it was a Thursday. I mean, he's getting serious. It's a Thursday. We came to my house. I look, I need a profile picture. Remember, remember I did graphics back in the day, and I, I, I hooked you up, gave you the big block letters. Like, nah, kid, I don't remember that. Mm -mm, son, I don't remember that, sir. Bruh, you don't remember this? I said, nah, I really don't remember that. He said, you're a preacher. Why are you lying? I said, no, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. I said, that was before I really got saved. I said, so that guy died when I rededicated my life to God like for the hundredth time. <laughs> People don't enjoy the journey. Write this down if you're taking notes. I can't move too fast. If there's going to be any speediness in the process, God has to do it. Amen, somebody. Amen. God has to promote you. God has to push you. 
Um, write this down also. The journey takes time. The journey takes time. The journey, say that out loud. My journey is going to take time. And I know y'all don't really want to say that because I feel the resistance and I know y'all like, because God going to do this overnight. <laughs> Are you ready? She said, it's unusual. <laughs> he could do it overnight. Are you willing for him to pull everything out of you tonight? Like, I'm going to be honest. Are you, are you willing to go through a night of deliverance where he takes everything out of you that would stop you from, from, from messing up what he's going to give you? Some of y'all will be in the next season like, I made it. I, I made it, Lord. I made it. I don't know how I got here, but I made it. You'll be like, it'd be so much I got to pull out of you. But the journey takes time. How many of you realize that the journey takes time? The journey takes time. And for people who want overnight success, overnight millionaire status, overnight everything happening from tonight to next this Sunday, you're going to come with a testimony. Like, it rarely happens. I'm not trying to, you know, something like, oh, he's just messing up my year. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to mess up your year, but what I'm trying to tell you is that because a lot of you are going to step into stuff this year because you have been in the process. You've been going through something. This is not the first year you've been sacrificing and giving and, and all of this. You've been giving. You've been sacrificing. And it's gonna, God's gonna, I believe God's going to reward you unusually this year. But, but a lot of us will get into new places and not be satisfied. You want to know why? Because, because the journey that got you there was a painful one and it wasn't an enjoyable one. Tell yourself, I have to enjoy the process. Say, I have to enjoy the journey. What is a journey? A journey is an act of traveling from one place to another place. It's travel from one place to another place. Travel from one place to another place. One thing that, I, that I've learned about travel is that you have to be okay with where you're staying. Anybody ever went to a hotel and you saw the picture and then you got there and was like, what in the world is this? Overseer in... Uh, in uh, Pastor Candice was going on a, on a cruise, and I, I, I drove them because they, they were leaving from South Carolina. My, my, my first cousin is out there. My, my, my dad's twin brother's son is out there, and him and I hadn't seen each other in a long time. I said, I'm going to go hang out with him at his church and just get some nuggets and go out there and possibly preach for him and do whatever. And so I, I said, I'm going to drive you all out. I'm going to drive you all there. And so we had to get a hotel room with like a couple, two rooms in it. So, so we, we, we pull up to this hotel, and we go in the hotel, say, all right, Candice, we'll see you in the morning. We're going our own. And we walked in the rooms. And we all walked back out at the same time like, what in the world is this? There were ants on the floor. Somebody left food over in the corner. The place was stinking. Looked like they, they, like they, they left the same covers on the bed but, but just pulled it up. And we went back to the front desk and said, we're not staying here. Man said, y'all could just, it, it, it's, it's two in the morning. Y'all could just, I said, no, 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 we're not going to stay here because this ain't going to be enjoyable for me. And a lot of us have been, have, been, have been camping out in places that are, not, that are not sanitary. I'll leave it like that. In the spirit. We've camped out in places that God, that, that God knows you shouldn't have stayed at. You just was okay because it was a place. It was a place to stay. 
now watch this. The more God blesses you, people say, oh, you're getting picky. No, I'm, I'm very choosy because I know what it's like to stay in a place where I shouldn't be at versus a place where I know I deserve to be at. Make sense? So what we had to do is we, we, we went on the app and started, started looking for hotels. We had to go. It took us like two hours to find a, another hotel that was comparable for us to stay in that met our needs because a lot of people just give in because you're too nice. Uh, I'll just, I'll sweep up. That's not your job. Just bring me some more sheets. That's not your job. And then we get upset because we put more work into something that should have been enjoyable. Can y'all see the analogy? The, the journey is supposed to be God stripping stuff off of you and then giving you rest. Taking something out of you then giving you a season of rest, then advancing you. Taking something out of you, giving you a season of rest, advancing you. Taking something out of you, giving you a season of rest. Now, a lot of us, that our walk with God hasn't looked like that. It just looked like he takes something out of me, then, then somebody messes with me and something else get in me. <laughs> I just got delivered from cursing. Then a week later, somebody got on my nerves. Now I'm, in, now I'm punching. Now I get delivered from punching. Then something else happened. Now cursing came back. That's how a lot of people's lives look at God. The way it's a, you want to know why? Because you don't know how to enjoy the process. When's the last time that you, that you focus on an end result for your life? What did God promise you? What did he say to you? What did you hear him say about your life? Do you, spend, do you spend any time meditating on that in your downtime? Most people don't. Do you see yourself being used by God the way, he, the way you believe he showed it to you or he said it to someone? Said, God's going to use you. going to lay hands on the sick and they recover. Do you see yourself really doing that? You spend time, you put on worship music, you sit in your house, or some music, and you sit in the house and just see yourself praying for people and arms growing out. Like, we don't do this kind of stuff, so, so it's so far into our spirit that as God is bringing you closer and closer to the end result of, that, of doing that, your anxiety starts kicking up because you're not comfortable in your spirit with it. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You're not comfortable with that, so the closer you get to it, the more your flesh starts, you allow your flesh to kick up because, because the truth is you really don't want to go into that yet because you ain't ready for that. So you start thinking, how am I going to do that? How am I? It just shows that you haven't spent enough time getting comfortable with what he said to you. What's the last, what is, what is, what is like the three biggest prophecies of your life? And how, how often do you spend rehearsing those things to your spirit and sitting and seeing it play out in your mind's eye? We don't do that enough. We don't do that enough. We in warfare. We don't spend enough time seeing ourselves in the blessing. You want to know the blessing for Israel was, was so great that God kept telling them, see, I have a land for you, Lord Jesus. He didn't say, I have a land for you that flows in milk and honey. He said, see. And then when they came to Jericho, he said, see, I have given you Jericho. The, the terminology stayed the same. See it first. 
The terminology with God never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He kept telling them, see, I have a land. See, I've given you a land. See it, see it, see it. Israel couldn't see it, so they bucked up against it because the closer they got to the land, the more their flesh kicked up until God told them, I don't want y'all going in it. It wasn't that he wasn't a good God. He wasn't a good father. That has nothing to do with it. It wasn't that he promised and it took it back from them. They forfeited it because the closer they got, their flesh couldn't take it because they wouldn't do what he told them to do. See. Come on, you got to spend time seeing it. Come on, you're a prophet. See yourself prophesying. See the roar coming out of your belly. See, you, come on, you got to see it happening. Come on, you're going to be a business person. See yourself with a client list that's pages and pages and pages. Come on, you got to see it. If you don't see it, the closer you get to it, the more you'll deny it. And guess what the word says about that? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. God will never let you walk in it if you don't acknowledge it. How do you acknowledge it? You don't just say it out your mouth. You got to see it and become it. Woo! Come on. I, I don't just preach to y'all when I come in here. I come in here when y'all ain't here and preach. Oh, God. I come in here and preach when y'all ain't here. You want to know why? Because I don't do this right in front of y'all. I do it before I see y'all. I come in here and just start preaching about whatever I feel in the spirit. Oh, I think God's going to do I, I preach it. I walk through here and preach. I touch the chairs. Come on. Why? Why? Because if I don't see it before I see it, then I can never be anointed for it. And a lot of us want the anointing to fall on us, but we don't take, we don't, we don't take enough time to see ourselves in the anointing. Does that make sense? God could use you greater if you saw yourself being used by him. Doing your job, I just can't. I want to. I want to evangelize and talk to people. I'm just nervous because you ain't spend no time seeing yourself in your mind's eye, witnessing to nobody. You never seen yourself praying for them and praying with them this prayer of salvation and seeing them turn their life to Christ. You never seen it in your mind, so it's foreign to you when you see somebody and you know they need they need Jesus and you're close to them. Your flesh shuts it down. You go automatically to the defense mechanism, which is your excuse. Ooh, God. Now, tell me I'm lying. Am I telling the truth or am I lying? Because a person, who, who, a person who has to become it, becomes it. So, if this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to live this. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to sleep it. I'm going to drink it. I'm going to become it so much that it flows out of me with ease. Remember what we talking about on Sunday? I have, I have an ability and it moves into a, eventually moves into a habit where I can do it without thinking. A lot of people don't spend enough time seeing it. We, now, when you have to see it, that means you don't have to talk so much. <laughs> people who talk a lot never really accomplish a lot. Because they spend so much time trying to build a case with their mouth that their spirit never gets it. So the Bible says study to be quiet. Proverbs talks about that a fool is known by their much talking. People who are foolish are known because they say everything and they just try to impress people and they just they, 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 their defense mechanisms and all the stuff comes out of them. And the truth of the matter is that the people that you're talking to, you ain't fooling. If somebody came in here and was talking about making millions of dollars, you could look at them and be like, you ain't no millionaire. 
I can look at you and tell you you're not a millionaire. My discernment just kicked up when you walked in the room. <laughs> I'll leave you alone. Say, I have to enjoy the process. Say, enjoy the journey. Say, I have to enjoy it. Smile more through the process. I know it ain't your day yet, but smile like it is. You're going to have to learn how to... Now, this is why this is important. I got like five minutes to do this. This is why it's important. Because a lot of us, <clears throat> you'll never be able to bring anybody else into it if you don't enjoy it first. Because anybody you bring into it, you're going to be bringing them into your pressure, bringing them into your pain. Listen, do it this way because I, I, I had to do it like this. Well, Lord, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do this now. Why? Because I'm coming into what I feel. If I got discernment, I'm coming into something that you hate. Yeah. Okay, I'll leave that alone. All right, let me give you another one. Why do people quit? They don't like the treatment that they went through in their process. They don't like the treatment that they went through in their process. How often do you embrace your story? How often, how often do you really just say, this is what I've gone through? and it's made me who I am. Question, does your story still bring you pain? Does your story still bring you shame? That means you're bitter with the process. It's hard to go into your next when you're bitter right now. You gotta come to peace with your story. You gotta get delivered. You have to get delivered from the pain of your story so that when you tell your story, you ain't telling it and somebody's afraid to ask you about it. <laughs> and then my mother left me and then I had to fall in They're like, wait a minute, I'm you manifesting right now. I can't even talk to you about this. I want to know how you overcame, but obviously you haven't. <laughs> if this is supposed to be a testimony, then what you're telling people is that you passed the test of it. How often can you share your testimony with somebody who doesn't know Jesus and you don't scare them away because they're afraid of asking you how you really made it because you really haven't? You in God, but you're still, you're still 13, living it. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't get delivered from the pain of the process of what happened, the treatment that you went through in your life, if you went through abuse in a relationship or marriage, if you went through abuse in your home, you went through someone molesting you or raping you, if you haven't forgiven that and gotten rid of all of that, it's not a testimony yet. It's not a testimony yet. It only becomes a testimony after, after you have passed the test. And the truth is, it shouldn't still be a test 20 years later. Because it came to pass. Lord, help me. It came because you, without that, you would never become what God's trying to make you today. Some of you wouldn't even be sitting in this sanctuary if you didn't go through what you went through. Yeah. Come on, say amen. You don't want to say amen. Mm, I, might be, I might be here. No, you wouldn't be here. You would have been somewhere else. Life would have taken a different turn for you. Yeah. I got sent to Virginia to live with my family. I, they sent me here to Virginia to live with my family. You've been upset about that for the last 20 years, but look at what God's doing with you right now. Yeah. You might have hated it back then, but now grow from that because look at what God is doing in your life. Because from a place you didn't want to be at, look what God is making out of it. Out of, a, out of, a, out of something crazy, somebody say something great is growing. Oh, you got to get delivered from, you got to get delivered from unfair treatment in your process. Somebody lied on you. 
forgive them, even if they're still telling a lie. God will expose the truth from a lie. Don't try to knock it down and shoot it down and, and get on everybody's Facebook page. They ain't got to do all of that. Just live. Let, I, thank, you for, thank you for the one amen. Live. Have a life. People who are uptight about everything that, that's been said wrong, all of us in this room, somebody said something wrong about you. If, you, if you're going to live, if you're going to chase out all of that, you're going to be tired for the rest of your life. Because somebody's always going to have something negative to say about you. Somebody's always going to say that you did something wrong. Nobody's going to like everything you did. As a pastor, all y'all don't always agree with everything I say and do. But guess what? Just stick around. Let God deal with me. Call my bishop. Call my apostle. Y'all don't like that kind of stuff. But see, y'all, y'all, y'all don't like that kind of stuff because, because what it means is you got to let stuff go. Amen. And the only, the only way, the only way that you're going to grow is you got to have to, unfair treatment is, is one of the biggest things that people hold on to from their past. My mama, my mama whooped me and abused me when I was, going, when I was growing up. And now any mother figure you hate because you haven't forgiven your own mother. My daddy wasn't there for me. So God sent surrogate men in your life to almost be father-like figures. You resisted all of that because you hated your own father. I can see that when you're a child, but the, but the more you grow, you put away the childish things and you start seeing, God, I didn't have him, but you gave me all of these. In other words, what, what I'm trying to get you to see is that you can spend the next 20 years claiming unfair treatment, flag on the play, right? Or you can say, it happened, but God allowed it to make me who I am. And a lot of us don't realize this, but a lot of the stuff that you went through that was unfair, you had to go through it and heal from it because you're going to be ministering to people who are claiming life is unfair. Life is unfair. My mama treated me wrong. Everybody in my family... O- o- overseer and I were out at Trader Joe's yesterday and ran into a young lady and, and, and um, was able to, overseer was able to minister to her. I just stepped back because that wasn't my story. I just went in the car and put the groceries away. You can handle that. It wasn't my story. I don't know what that feels like. She started talking to her and the lady started talking to her and started, I'm, I'm going to come to church. I want to come. I want to come to church. I was hurt in another church by another first lady. <gasps> but I want to come to church. I want to bring all my children. She's from a different, other, another persuasion. She was like, I want to come because I want, I want it. Like, the question is, what's, what could be holding you back from reaching somebody who looks normal but on the inside is screaming for help? You know how many people you come in contact with and they just talking, they talking big like ain't nothing wrong. Uh, you know, I'm going through a couple of things, but you know, I'm, I'm making it. That's a cry for help right there. That's a cry, y'all, come on. That's a cry for help right there. You know, I'm, you know God is still good. I'm making it because you know, I've been through some stuff, but I'm making it. Like, what did you go through? You know, I just went to say, what, what, if it was that much, what, if you over it, then what did you go through? Well, you know, you know, I went through this and my ex-husband and then, I, then this happened and, you start, and then they say, but I'm good though. And you know what? You're not good. You're not good. And the reason why God sent me here is because you're not good. My, the reason why God sent me all the way from Chesapeake down here to come to this store was for you. See, it's an opportunity 
But if number one, if you haven't enjoyed your journey, you can't, you can't help nobody else get on the highway. Because this is what you're going to say. Well, you know, I went through some stuff too, and God's still working on me. That's not a real testimony. What am I telling you? How long have you been saved? 20 years. Oh, I really don't want to come to God. I really don't want to come to God. You've been saved 20 years, and you haven't gotten over your stuff? So how are you going to help me get rid of my stuff? How are you going to help me get rid of this depression I'm, I got when, when my depression linked with your depression already and we both already here crying? Come on, church. All right, I'll leave you alone with that. One more, and then we're done. What time is it? 822, come on. I, I'm going to let y'all go at 830. We're going to go home. I'm not going to keep you at 930 tonight. Um, why do people quit? They don't have the means. They don't have the money to accomplish a dream. People give up because they don't have the money to accomplish a dream. I hope this is blessing you tonight. People give up because they don't have the money to accomplish a dream. God gave, you, God gave you something in your spirit, but you need money to accomplish it. And when you don't have the money, when the money doesn't show up, people will be like, well, I guess it must not be in God's will. No, it is. The truth of the matter is that it's never really about the money. The emphasis is wrong. Money is an accompaniment. It's never meant to be the total focus. I'm going to say it again. Money is an accompaniment. It's never meant to be the total focus. So let me talk to Neil. It's like playing the piano. If let's say there was a, a group here and they came to sing for us tonight and they say, we want you to accompany us. You, don't, you wouldn't turn that up to the, the, the highest level and start playing brass. And they're singing. Because he's no longer accompanying them. He's becoming the star of the show. But you didn't come to hear the musicians play. You came to hear the choir sing. Y'all missing this. What we do is a lot of times, this is what we do. We make money the feature. We make money the feature of everything God wants to do for us. And then what happens is we become shallow in our faith. You become shallow in your walk with God because faith should be on display and not your money. Your faith should be, the world ain't worried about how much money you got because they got money. What the world has to know is how much do you believe God? They need to know that you didn't have the money, but God sent the money because you trusted in him with all your heart and you didn't lean to your own understanding. Come on, I got the promotion not because I was sleeping with the boss man. I got the promotion because I was faithful. I followed biblical principles to, and because I followed that, I had an excellent spirit. Come on, Daniel. And God allowed me to be promoted. The narrative has to change from the Christian community so the world can see that you don't have to do it Satan's way. It opens up a door for us to tell them that there's a way that seems right to man. But the end of that way is death and destruction. I can't tell you that if I'm in death and destruction myself. So people quit because, because they're waiting on the money so they never step out in faith. You want to know when money comes? Money comes when, when you believe God when you don't have the money but you step out anyway. He will meet your need. Come on. My God shall supply. supply means you don't have it. Yeah. Uh, but he sends into the account what you need so that he can supply the need so that he can get the glory. Yeah. 
Oh, but a lot of people, they don't, they don't operate by faith. They operate by what they see in their bank account. People get depressed when they don't have no money. And it's a slap in the face of God because we don't praise God the same in tax season that we do when they ain't got no money. Your praise a little lighter. Your feet a little lighter when, when tax season comes. Oh, when tax season over, it's like you got bricks on your feet. Our focus has been wrong. Come on. If money is the feature, then that means faith becomes the accompaniment. Faith ain't supposed to be playing the piano. Faith is supposed to be on display. Make sense? Okay, so where's your faith? Because all you, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. You don't have to have, we think in order to do the greatest things, we need to have big, this big faith. You only have to have a dot of faith to do something big. <laughs> you only have to have, okay. You remember when, when the disciples were talking with, uh, when Jesus was talking with disciples and he was talking about forgiveness and he was telling them, forgive them seven times 70 and all that stuff. And they, you know what the next thing they said? Increase our faith. Increase our faith. He was saying, and he was saying, you don't need big faith to do this. You just need a little bit of faith because you can, even with this faith, speak to a mountain. Another time he says, you can speak to a sycamine tree. You want to know, you wanna know why, why, why one time he said mountain, the other time he said sycamine tree? Because the mountain, the mountain goes up, but the sycamine tree is known for the roots that go down. He says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a sycamore tree and it will be uprooted. In other words, what he was saying, oh God, what he was saying was this. A lot of people think that, think that their faith is going to move a mountain when really your faith a lot of times is going to uproot stuff. The root system of a sycamore tree is interwoven and goes all the way deeper than the roots of a tree. He says to them, if you can have faith the size of a mustard seed, I'll allow that faith to be able to uproot stuff that is holding up your miracle. And at the same time, that same level of faith can deal with a mountain and move it out the way. It will deal with stuff that's high, but it will deal with stuff that's super low. So what do you need, money or faith? So, don't, so, so with the money that you don't have, don't let that depress you. Remember, my God shall supply what? No, Y'all, y'all are good. Y'all are good, cause y'all gonna say all oh, my needs, and I'm gonna say no, no. Go backwards. All, all. What does all mean? Everything. Every need will be supplied. That means when when you need the need, God's gonna push what you need in for the need. What are you doing? You're building your faith until you have so much supply that you're still not worried about the supply. You're worried about the faith. Because the more he supplies you with is the more you trust him. And the more you trust him, the more he gives you. We, this is what we don't get. We think that the more we get, eventually I'll be able to say, I'll buy the house. How much is the car? 38000 I'll pay for it right now. What we do is the more we get, the more we stop having faith. So this is why after you get a big lump sum of something and you, and you go on your little shopping sprees and you don't you activate faith, it takes a while for the next blessing to come. It takes a while for the next, y'all please say amen. If it takes a minute, anybody been there before? It takes a minute for the next blessing to come because you stop operating the thing that got the supply. Yeah. 
And this is why this is why blessings should be blessing upon blessing upon blessing. You're giving every time you come to church. The windows of heaven should be constantly opening up and, and the blessings should be poured out on you all the time. Why isn't it happening? Because our trust, it, we say our trust is in God, but our trust is really in the supply that we currently have. And when God gives you more supply, you're like, whoo, all right, all right, so I got a mishap now. Something happened. How much is that going to cost? 38000 All right, I'll pay for that tomorrow. I'm going to write a check. I'll be, right, I'll be back tomorrow. You didn't acknowledge God. You didn't see if God was going to open up a door, touch a heart, how he was going to do it. You went off of what you knew you had, and faith was not present. So if, without faith, it is impossible. Come on here, talk to me. To please him, and if he ain't pleased, he ain't given. That's like somebody being heavily using the gifts. When they start relying on themselves and not in the faith that God's going to use me, they think, I'm going to be used. I'm using me because I'm doing this. Then what happens is everything dries up. And this is why people who start out really good have to rely on gimmicks and, and fake miracle waters and all this other kind of stuff. Somebody came from the, the heart of Jerusalem when they came from their backyard holes. Talking about the God, this is miracle, mighty miracle water, and it ain't nothing but, ain't nothing but, but tap water. They got to rely on gimmicks because, because what once flowed freely in your life, the giftings and the anointing that came because of faith, stopped flowing. Now you got to resort to gimmicks to keep it going. Yeah. And don't get too heavy on the faith healers and, and, and the people who are faking it because a lot of people in church do the same thing. They're faking it too. You was on fire for God. Now you're faking the fire. You ain't really dancing because God did something for you. you dancing because you don't want to look like the one that don't, don't have to dance. A lot of people faking in God because they stopped moving in faith. Yeah. Pick your faith back up. Yeah. Come on, get your faith high again. Trust God with the little. Yeah. Remember that it's not about how much money you have. It's about the supply he wants to give. Yeah. All right, Lord Jesus. Okay, last one, last one, last one. Last one. Woo. Say, I wasn't born a quitter. Say it to yourself. I wasn't born a quitter. Come on, say it again. I wasn't born a quitter. You don't remember when you came out your mama's womb. Whether, you, whether they cut you out or she pushed you out. You don't remember that. But let me tell you something. You eventually kicked and screamed. You were born and there was a level of adventurous, being adventurous inside of you. We all had it. You wandered around. Somebody could come get over here, boy. All of us had it. All, say all of us had it. You were born to be adventurous. You were born to do something great. Question is, who broke you? Who broke you? What broke you? What, what broke you that, that allowed you not to, not to trust God enough to step out on a ledge and say, oh, with me and God, we can do this. A lot of people came to God and you were more adventurous when you first got saved. I ain't got no money, but I'm believing God. My rent going to be paid in two weeks. You testifying in front of people. You didn't even have a job. I believe God. I'm going to dance tonight because I believe in God. And as I praise him, a miracle's coming to my house. And then guess what happened? The money showed up. And over time, what happened was we started leaning to our own understanding. Or, or you came into God and in your process of deliverance, it came up in you that somebody dropped you. Just write down 2 Samuel 4 and 4. We may start here next week. 
somebody broke you or something broke you because you weren't born to be a quitter. Anytime you start and stop, it's indicative of something that's happened in your past that you're still comfortable with. 2 Samuel 4 and 4, y'all wrote it down? Read it. It talks about Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. This guy was, he, he had royalty in his blood. But somebody dropped him. Somebody dropped him and his life was never the same again. I stand your feet. We're done. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that tonight because if I do, we won't get out until 930. Y'all be upset with me. He lied to us. He told me we're going to get us out at 830. He lied. He lied. Hear me. If, if you haven't, if you can't remember anything else I'm saying tonight, remember these words. Remember these words. It's not in your DNA to quit. Say that. It's not in my DNA to quit. I don't care if you believe you came from a family of failures. You're going to be the first that won't quit again. I don't care if everybody in your family, nobody in your family owned a house. You're going to own one. Okay, if you've never, if, if you, if everybody in your family owes a, thou, a million dollars on bills combined, you'll be the first one in your family to be debt free. Don't quit again. Don't allow quitting to be the norm for you. Don't allow the stop-start syndrome to be the thing that you teach your children. My children come to me and said, you're fasting? Yeah, they say, don't you want to eat? Like, you better believe I want to eat. So, and then they say, so why don't you just eat? I say, because I'm after something. I'm after something. I'm killing this flesh because I'm after something. And I, I, I want what God has for me. What am I doing? I'm teaching them that although it's difficult, they'll see me going through it. I want them to see it. The saints may not see it, but at home they'll see it. Because they're eating pizza and I'm looking at them like, for real, in front of me? And when they ask, why, why are you doing this to yourself? I'm not doing this to, I'm not doing this to myself. I'm doing this because I want something more in God. I want something, that, I want something from God that, I, that I've never had before. I want something new and fresh. Or I'll tell them, I feel like my relationship with God is a little stale. I feel like I'm just, I'm preaching and I'm going, I'm reading, I'm doing my stuff for me, but I just feel like the connection ain't really there. So I got to bring it, put this flesh under subjection and explain to them what that means. And they say, hey, look, this looks painful. I don't want this. When I get older, I don't want to fast. I said, no, 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 no. We're about to fast in a couple of weeks as a family. I do call my family on fast. Y'all look like you do? Yes, we fast. We fast. You want to know why? They have to learn that everything in life ain't easy. So they see us fast, and they, they see us going through it, but they also see us praising God through it. They know it's difficult, but we're trying to teach them how to endure with the right attitude. How to say no to something that you really, really want, but realize it's okay, I will eat again. What are we doing? Trying to model before them that everything you want doesn't have to be everything you chase after. And a lot of us, we didn't learn that. I didn't learn that. Nobody taught me that. I didn't grow up seeing that in the household. I grew up.